Grand raising everyone, Emily Comedy Lab, Spirit and Coffee. Got my coffee here. Ah, yummo. All right, let's get started. I think today I'll read from the book. Been some time before I start <laughs> talking about other things. I'm going to get into it. Um, we're talking about separate the earth from fire, and we've been going over the elements of alchemy, um, which is kind of nice. Um, and I think were we here? Yeah, we're here. Okay, um, uh, in the Emerald Tablet, it tells us the inherent strength of the one thing is perfected if it is turned into earth. Yet the term the alchemists used to describe this ultimate exhilaration of matter was the very common name of salt. The last and um, moist important of the celestial or archetypal elements, the birth of common salt, sodium chloride, usually takes place. Um, from the union of fire and water and the heating and evaporating of seawater. Good morning, Christina. To the Egyptian alchemist, sodium symbolized the common principle in all salt and the formation of bodies in general. The chemical symbol for sodium is na. So N-A. Let's say na, na, na. <laughs> it's from the Arabic word natron. Um, for the white salts that accumulate on the dry uh, lake beds. The world's oldest known deposits are in Egypt, where it was used um, to embalm mummies. Furthermore, the re re reabsorption of salt crystals to become part of the body of water is symbolic of the assumption of the individual soul into the one thing, the individual mind into the one mind. For the alchemists, of all eras salt carried profound symbolic meaning and it was ultimately the most important of all the celestial elements um salt so and as you know it's kind of cool when you think about the human body because we're like a walking ocean um when you think about it you know we are an ocean and that's why our bodies are it's so critical there's nothing more important than your health and how you take care of your body um because it is the one vessel that has been given to us and because nobody has created the elixir of immortality, we are mortal and we decay. And I don't even know that I'd want to drink that elixir. I don't know how many of you would want to live forever and ever, um, especially with the way the world's going at this point. Um, but I mean, it'd be nice to maybe extend your life a little or to kind of go into your elder years feeling great and fantastic. We know that our pH levels are important in the body. And sodium is a part of that, right? Sodium is in the body. We're like a walking ocean, but we also need water. So we need both um, within it. So for the alchemist, sodium was really important. Also, when you think about the salt trades and all that kind of stuff, we use it in our spices and all that stuff. So it's almost like gold for us. Um, and in fact, when you think about it, and this is kind of what I think in terms of alchemy, alchemy, see, people have the idea that alchemy is just about gold. It's not. It, in fact, it didn't even start off that way. It wasn't about gold. It wasn't about, they they turned it that way. Really, it's the transcendence of the soul into pure light. How do we become pure light? How do we purify our bodies so that we have these deep conversations with the divine, that we connect with the divine? Everybody has the ability to do that. Um, and all these sages throughout history were saying that. Well, we look within. And we can feel our bodies. Our body is the vessel that connects to the gold, to the divine. So we're not really looking for material gold. Material gold 
really, what is it for? You know, we can actually live without gold in our life. Now, it's good for technology, right? So they're like, well, it does this and that. That's fine. We use more salt than we do gold. And we need water more than we need gold. So you see, we'll survive. It's not like we won't be able to breathe if there's no gold. We need oxygen for that. So when we're starting to look at this, there are elements that are sacred that we've forgotten the sacredness of these particular elements and how they are utilized for ceremonial practices, for body, for everything. Um, and so salt was important. According to the French metaphysical or metaphysician René, um, there are five stages of evolution of matter. First is the chaotic one thing, the prior elements which contain the inherent possibilities of the cosmos. The next comes the first matter, the elementary organization of the inherent possibilities. Here's the deal. The first is chaos, right? Now, chaos is the place where everybody freaks out. But here's something that's really cool and something that we're learning, especially um, in cosmology and consciousness, fractals, okay? We are a pattern. Now, sometimes when we're close up to the mess, it looks like chaos. So for instance, when for I, I usually talk about traffic this way because traffic seems chaotic. But when you start to get from a distance, right? When you start to go in an airplane and look down from a distance, you start to see something start to organize. And you start to see that it looks more organized than it actually is when you're close up. So the out of chaos is order. Now, chaos theory it talks about this, and that's kind of cool. Chaos theory, what it really means is that in the chaos, there's order, and that we can't predict the outcome of what that order is going to be. And it's that simple. That's really what chaos theory is. It's not that there's no patterning in the chaos. It's that there's no prediction of the pattern in chaos. We don't know what it's going to do. So when we think about where we are in society and the emergence of a new paradigm, as this new paradigm is emerging, we're in a state of chaos. You can equate this to the tower and tarot um, when everything just gets ripped apart. And there's no prediction of what's to come. We can try to predict, and there's been people who predict, but that's not necessarily the way it'll go. So the best way to do this is thinking about a pendulum. If you had a pendulum and you swung it, it would just go back and forth. And we understand, we can predict that the pendulum is going to swing. However, if you connect two pendulums together and you make it swing, we don't, can't, they can't predict what the pattern is going to be. They tried to do it in computer systems. They've uploaded the software. They said, let's do this and to see if the computers would actually create the same pattern, um, and they wouldn't. You see, it's chaos. And the chaos emerges a pattern that's unpredictable. Mathematics itself can't predict what's going to happen, basically. There's not a precision. There's not a, we don't know what the patterning is going to look like, but there will be a patterning. Okay, so chaos, and that's where chaos theory comes in. It's not that everything's in chaos. It just means we can't predict what is to come and we see this in our markets and they they'll equate this to actually our markets right they're unpredictable we don't know if there's going to be a rise and fall there can be if somebody changes just one tiny thing it can 
caused the entire market to crash and nobody would have predicted that because we didn't know. We, we really can't predict the patterning. Some people will do algorithms and say, okay, we kind of know how the markets are going to go. They don't really know. They might be able to kind of predict how the markets are going to go, but it's because it's chaos theory, they can't predict 100% with precision and mathematics cannot with 100% precision do it. Good morning, Lurak. So when we talk about chaos theory, that's really what it is. It's it's just means we can't predict the pattern. However, in chaos, a pattern does emerge, and the patterning that emerges, um, you know, we can call it fractal patterning, which is kind of cool. And you start to see, oh, okay, there is a pattern to this chaos, and sometimes we need to get above. Now, how does this apply to your life? Because yes, it's great to talk about it, you know, um, in concept, in concept, right, and conceptualize it and say, yeah, that makes sense. But in our life, well, here's the deal. Sometimes we're in the state of chaos, right? In our minds, in in maybe our homes or in our relationships. And sometimes we need to step away and look above it to recognize the patterns. If you can recognize the pattern within your own life, then you can actually shift the pattern for yourself. Not for everybody else, but for you. You can separate and create a new pattern. Now that takes chaos. And what emerges from that may change. You don't know what's going to happen, perhaps. You can't predict. You can try to predict, but you don't really know. Now, we can do intention and we can do magic. And magic is a big thing right now. Where we call forth the things that we want to create in our life. We could call forth the things we want, but we don't really know, and it may not play out exactly as we want. So right now, hey, Baram, we're in a society that is in chaos, and nobody, and the, and here's the thing with chaos, is people are so stuck in it that they don't get above it so that they can see what patterns are happening. How did the patterns emerge and what's emerging from the chaos? No one can truly predict it. People will try to, and people will analyze it and try to figure out the patterning, but right now nobody knows. That's And, and there's no way to predict it, and that's kind of good in a way. It's good. Why? Because if we can predict outcomes all the time, we tend to, to run amok and cause a bunch of, a bunch of um, not chaos, but a bunch of mess <laughs> in humanity. We ourselves, when we have this information, run amok and kind of ruin things. <laughs> Humans do that. You know, I'm laughing. It's funny, not so funny. We're self-sabotagers. And then we go and sabotage other things, like other creatures and animals and all that stuff. Um, and so we think we're so civilized when really we're kind of, we're crazy. <laughs> Humans are crazy. So when we're looking at the chaos, and so we're understanding the chaos, so that's the first thing is that chaos will arise. And we see that when the foundations start to crumble, and we're, we're going through, we're living that right now. We're actually living the story of alchemy at a macrocosm and microcosm level. It's happening 
at the bigger picture and the smaller picture. And the patterning is, is shifting and deconstructing, but we don't really know what the pattern is yet. And it could take years. When they put something into play, let's just say this. We talk about secret society, secret orders, you know, all that kind of stuff. When they put something into play, they knew that it would take at least 200 years for things to start to move. They weren't planning for the immediate future. They were planning for the long-term future. Years to come, they wouldn't even be alive, but they were setting in motion something that they thought could actually result in what they wanted or what they were trying to do. So the storylines get played out that way. However, now we're in a state where nobody knows. Nobody knows. And so we're trying to make sense of it. We're trying to find the order in the chaos. and We need to rise above. And this is where, where I believe we can actually start to shift and see the patterns and start to recreate a new narrative is looking above the storyline, looking above the chaos starting to rise above like in the plane you know when we're in traffic it's chaotic when we're outside and we're flying above it looks like it's organized ants flying um you know moving everywhere we need to rise above it okay to understand what's happening now let's see here okay so um we have the chaos and then we also have the next which is the first matter the elementary organization of the inherent possibilities um, they saw as equivalent to the human unconscious or the inst instinctual mind. Third is Mercury, the first purification, which releases feelings and imagination as the female mental component dominates. Okay, here's a big thing. The female um, dominates. Now, we know that, and this is not man and woman, but, you know, the matriarch, or we call it the sacred feminine, um, that we have taken that out of the storyline. And that's been reintroduced. And it's really hard because the imagination's been totally taken away from humanity. Don't imagine. Just do what I tell you to do. You see? Live in my imagination. Let me feed you the spoon of what I'm telling you to believe. Rather than saying, oh, I have my own imagination. <laughs> I can create. I can connect to the divine, you see? So people will spoon feed you this. Now, what's happened with that creativity is that people don't really know how to tap into it. Now we see, and even in art itself, so I'm not talking about just creativity like in dance and art and music because dance, art, and music is still under the guise of an old paradigm. People may not know this, but art itself is connected to the different paradigms and mindsets that we have. In fact, it kind of instructs what's going to happen next, the next patterning. When we came up with, with the mechanistic, mechanistic worldview, um, artists were drawing from that state of mind. So when I say imagination, I'm talking about us being able to imagine new structures and systems, right? Which is an expansion of the collective consciousness. That takes us being able to go into our unconscious mind where the imagination exists, which is the void, the dark hole, and even perhaps dark matter. See, they don't know dark matter. 
You go ask the scientists about dark matter, they don't have a damn clue about it. And guess what? There's more dark matter than there is light. And we don't even know anything about it. It's like the oceans. They don't know what's down in the deep dark. I have my own theories about what dark matter is. It's the creative potential that just needs light to be shine on it. The patterning's already there. It's already a potential. It just needs light to be sh shown on it so that it can you can see its magnificence. In other words, the darkness is magnificent. Now, we've been told to be afraid of the darkness and that there's creepy crawlers and that it's evil and whatever the hell. Why? Well, that's part of the imagination. Stay away from that because you can't imagine anything. You have to just do what we tell you to do. We've created the story. We've created the narrative. We created the dialogue. We've created the magic. And you have to follow what we say, basically. Do you see? So we are under the magic. Now we can't get around it until we rise above it. And most people don't know how to do that. They haven't been trained to do that. People like myself are self-taught. I don't even, for me, I won't even trust somebody to guide me through something like this. So you have the power to guide yourself through it as well. There are things that you can do that can help you to tap into that space, like hypnotherapy. And what this does is it gets you closer to your purpose. A person was asking me the other day, one of my followers about purpose. How do I find my purpose? How do I really, your purpose, if you go deep into the depths of your of your unconscious mind and you tap into that, you're going to know, you're going to feel it. Something's going to draw you in a direction. Now, there's going to be other influences that come in. You have to clear the noise. And sometimes that means cutting people out of your life to really, truly, authentically tap into what what is driving you and your purpose. And guess what? The path will will be shown for you. It'll open up. It sounds easier than it is because it's not easy. <laughs> but when we are in harmony with our purpose, everything starts to align and fall in place. And before you know it, you're, you're actually giving back to humanity. And there's this synergy of not, it's not just take, it's a give and take and ebb and flow. It's a back and forth, right? It's the yin and yang. But how do we understand that? Well, we've got to tap into our creative mind. That's a dark place. It's a dark place. We're just tapping into our own dark matter. And the dark matter being what? The connection to all dark matter. See, the storyline in the narrative is changing. Um, I was talking to my professor about dark matter and I asked and I said, you know, and I told you guys, you know, how we see it visually. The guy, the one guy in my class said, oh, I, it, what it reminds me of is a typewriter where you have a blank white page and then you tap and the letters and you start to create. And I said, uh-uh, I don't see it that way. Just the opposite. It's the black space is the canvas, not the white. And the light illuminates what's in that dark space. 
So the beauty is there. It just needs to be illuminated. But we think the darkness is evil. And if we illuminate it, it's going to be evil. Now, I'm not saying that there's not cre creepy callers and all that and that we don't need that. Yeah, sometimes there is. That's part of it. But it's not because of the darkness. The darkness holds the potential for everything. The creative potential. I'm talking about dark matter. They are trying to talk about dark matter. They don't understand dark matter. And from a alchemic perspective, if I applied the alchemy to it, I would say that dark matter, um, and I love it, somebody did kind of say this, is actually um, kind and gentle. It, it, it holds everything in place the way it's supposed to be. Uh, without it, we would just be falling. It's, it holds, the, the threads of it just hold us in place somehow. Kind of cool when you think about it. So, and it is where the creative potential exists, and that's what we need is creativity. We need people to start being creative about this. And we'll see that the patterns as they arise, it's it's going to be the creative mind. And we have, we see pockets of this happening. And I can say, pretty excited about, um, you know, there's programs out there. Um, you know, guys know that I'm going to head into my PhD eventually. And there's programs where consciousness is starting to arise and you know, equity and liberation and all these words are starting to come into um, academia. Words and ways of thinking that were, no, were not allowed before in academia. Very scientific based, but they're having dialogues that we can no longer think this way. And they're recognizing that if we don't honor that and we don't open up the space for new ways of thinking, um, we're really in, there's, there's issues happening in the earth and the world that I don't think too many people are really paying attention to at all. They're just not. And so we are looking at that and I'm saying, wow, I'm seeing these pockets and just kind of show up where even in academia, they're saying, hey, this program, you don't have to come under somebody else's research. We're asking for you to be innovative in your thought process. That's not necessarily what academics ask you to do. Um, I've been part of the academic world for quite some time. And it was a playbook. It was, it was structured a certain way. They didn't really let you think for yourself. You had to go under the research of somebody else. And if you wanted tenure, you had to, you know, publish papers that they wanted you to publish. And the whole thing was a scheme, in my opinion, is why I didn't go. And I'm very picky about what I'm going to do with my next steps. I'm interviewing them now because I'm not just going to go to a place because it's a prestigious school and has, I don't give a shit. Like, honestly, I want to study what I want to study and not be told or dictated to that I have to do it this way or that way. We see that this is rising, and here's the excitement that I want to just put out there. There is this small window of space where alchemy is 
having its opportunity to re-arise into the dialogue, which is awesome because they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And alchemy is the way. So when we look at alchemy, alchemy will start, you're going to see it more and more in the dialogues. Alchemy is going to start popping up left and right. Right? Everybody's like, oh, I read The Alchemist. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. The Alchemist is a good book, but that's not alchemy. <laughs> that's a story of alchemy. Their alchemy itself coming from ancient Egypt, right? Way, way, way back where, where we talk about alchemy. So it's starting to make its way and surface. And I keep telling people we're going to end up the faster that you can understand and start reading on alchemy, the easier it's going to be for you to understand how to transition into this next phase that we're headed into. Because you're going to see it starting to arise. And we're very fortunate to have this pocket of time, especially in academics, to start talking about it. Doesn't make its way into academics very often. And in fact, um, people were afraid to even bring up alchemy back in the day but we're still living under the alchemy of other people like Carl Jung in psychology. He was an alchemist. Okay. <laughs> and you'll hear, and you'll read some of his papers that talked about alchemy. Um, and everybody else I've named so many people who've used alchemy. They wouldn't outright say it, but that's what they were doing. They were applying alchemy to their work, just like what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> and the ones that know how to do it properly can have an impact and a positive influence on the next stages of our existence. And it can rebalance the scales. That doesn't mean people aren't going to bastardize it. They're going to regardless. Like that's human nature, obviously. We can't say it's not, right? <laughs> let's just look at reality. And let's look at the past. People have done crazy shit, and they continue to. So humanity will teeter back and forth, but we do have the opportunity and a short window to course correct and rebalance the beams. Um, but we, we shall see because um, I believe that there's, um, and I, I forget which species it is going to actually be extinct pretty soon. Um, and we don't know how that's going to change the ecosystem on the planet. A mass extinction. Now, people think mass extinction is about a mass humans dying. That's not the, no, I'm talking about mass extinction means a whole entire um, bunch of species dying at the same time, which hasn't happened since the dinosaurs. So we ourselves are in kind of in that state where we've got to start figuring out what's the next phase and how do we work through it. Um, it's going to take creative potential. It's going to take everybody, not just one or two people. It's going to take all of us coming together and really, really, really doing the work that needs to be done. What is your piece? How are you going to add to the dialogue? And how are we going to shift the mindset and start living differently? Really hard. It's a hard one. You know, I don't know if we will do it in time. And I don't even know if it's past time. I don't know. We don't know. It's kind of, we scientists don't even know. And nobody knows, really. Nobody. And if someone says they do know, I'm going to say, no, you know. You know why? Because we're in chaos. 
and chaos doesn't know. Chaos is unpredictable. We can't predict it. We can try to predict it, but we can't. And that's okay. That's part of alchemy too, is the unknown. But we have an opportunity to step in and support and go through the process and start to recognize and maybe get a hint about what the next patterning is going to be in our consciousness and, and in the way that we engage in the world. But nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. We're in chaos right now. We know we're in chaos. People can predict that. <laughs> yep, everything's falling down. Yep. Everybody's going crazy. We don't even have to get into details. We can just put it very simple. Shit's blowing up. People are acting crazy. Controls slipping from the hands of very few. And they don't know what to do. And they're acting out. I mean, it's that simple. We don't have to go into who, names, and all that. That's just basic human behavior. I can't control. I don't have power. What? No, you don't. Because guess what? There's something greater at play. And chaos theory and chaos itself is at play. And chaos, you can't determine what's going to happen in chaos. So you can't control it. Sorry. Whoops. You thought you had dominion over everything. You don't. Whoops. <laughs> you forgot to honor that there's something even more powerful at play. Whoops. People playing God, right? Over and over again. Pretending that they can control it all. You can't. See what happens? Systems fall. I mean, it's it's predictable in that we know it's going to fall, right? Like, you could predict that. That's simple. It's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Society's headed like, like Rome. I mean, we see it. Pattern's already been set in place. And we're just redoing it over and over again. Till eventually what? We kill ourselves completely and we're extinct. I mean, who knows? And who knows? Or maybe there's another version of human being prior to this and they haven't found the bones or they have and then won't tell us. I don't know. You know, humanity could just keep going over and over again and then new things arise and then they, you know, kill off things and just the pattern goes on and on and on and on. It's not ever ending here. That's maybe what, you know, people say karma or whatever. Um, or not karma, reincarnation, you know, that it's just the same patterns over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Maybe a little different, you know, but we keep doing the same shit. And then you have people who are like, stop doing it. Let's do something different. And then, yeah, we kind of go to the wayside. <laughs> and like, yeah, no. Or you have the people that are there, save the water, right? And they're like, nah, probably not. I don't think I want to do that. I mean, when you put it in terms like that, it's like, wow, what? Like, oh, let's keep fracking. No, we shouldn't frack because we won't have water for ourselves. Oh, no, I think it's a good idea that we frack because we need money. But you can't drink money. It's like, where are your priorities? It doesn't even make sense to me, really. I mean, think about the psychology behind it. Like what power and controls what you're after for what it's all going to fall apart anyway you're never going to fully have control and power you can't because chaos is part of the equation and no one can predict it because even mathematics can't predict it and there's no way of knowing what the pattern's going to be you just don't know 
it's gonna play out the way it's gonna play out. And as an emergence starts to happen, we start to see some patterns start to surface. We go, okay, there's the pattern. Now we see it. And it may not be what we like. It may not be, it may not even include us in the narrative. It may not include humanity. We don't know yet. That's the point I'm trying to make. We don't know, no one knows. They're trying to predict it. But you can't. So what it will take, though, and what I do believe is that we have the power to heal. And we can heal through our connection to the, the, the sacred, the divine, and to the chaos and to the darkness, right? The dark matter where creative potential lay. Pull out the beauty from the darkness. Find your purpose through the darkness. Pull it out of the hat, shine light on it, clean it off, dust it off, bring it into the consciousness and be part of that and help. Frankie, I believe us as humans came from another planet. We killed off the dinosaurs. We came here with the technology and now on repeat, that's where the stories in the Bible came from. Let's see here. Basic instructions before leaving the earth. Yeah, and there's theories like that as well. Um, you know, choose your theory. There's theories that say we, it's a theory. It's not a fact, but it's a theory. And there's tons of theories, right? And that's fine. And, and, and that's okay, you know? I have theories. I believe different things all the time. I'm constantly changing my mind between, yeah, we come from the aliens and they brought us to, we're living in a computer simulated system to, you know, all these theories about, you know, what we are, who we are, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the reality is, is yeah, that, that's possible. That is a possibility. I'm not going to even say it's not possible, right? Um, and that we were left here, right? And that they said, here you go. They dropped us off and said, yeah, whatever, figure it out. Um, and then we were always damned, right? So there's different theories in different ways. But at the end of the day, there's one thing that sort of helps humans. And that's narratives and dialogue and stories. We need stories. We, we thrive with stories. In fact, our entire lives are stories. We're making up stories. That's what we're doing. That's what theories are. You know, even science. Science is trying to create a storyline, a, a, a narrative to kind of figure out who the hell we are, why we're here, all this stuff, because it's what humans do. It's like dogs aren't trying to create a narrative and a story. They're just existing. The birds are just existing, you know? They're they're probably dialoguing with each other, like, where's our next meal or whatever, but they're not saying, where am I? Who am I? Where did I come from? Oh, we came from aliens. You know, they're not there pondering who they are. And they're just living life. Not us. We're We're making everything so complex. <laughs> Why? Well, they say we have consciousness, but usually everything has consciousness. And I would say is that we have self-awareness. That's the big thing is we're trying to be self-aware. Who are we and expand? We're trying to expand ourselves like the universe expands. So there's that interconnection of expansion within the human psyche. I want to expand. I'm striving to be more. But if we didn't and we just lived with nature and just in harmony, we wouldn't be in this place. But that's not what we do. That is not the facts 
the facts are humans are not like that and we self-sabotage we self-destruct um we you know we love and so do animals but we self-sabotage and we i guess other things in nature do that as well too um but we understand that we have an impact too on on things we understand our, that we have an impact and right now what they're talking about and, and in the dialogues of, of the cosmology um, is and what they're saying is that never in history has humanity been so basically what happens next is entirely up to us like we have the power right now as a human consciousness to really destroy everything or heal it like we're playing a role in that in a big way and we're conscious of that so if we go down the road of destruction we did it to ourselves basically and we should be aware that that's what we did <laughs> like we did this we did it to ourselves because we have the ability to shift the narrative and the story which is crazy we now are playing a key role in if certain species survives or dies. What in the world? How did we think that we had this power? Why did we do that? How did we end up here? You know, but that's the case at this point. So the way that things go can, in, in a way, is kind of up to us too. And in the psyche of people, if they're healed internally, we can go towards a place of healing. But I don't know that that's true because most people are not awake to this stuff. Most people are not. So it's going to take a lot of us, not just a couple of people, <laughs> you know, or a few scientists or whatever, or a few um, academics that are trying to change the dialogue. It's going to take a mass amount of us to change the dialogue for healing. And I don't know that that's where we're headed. I well, I will say in Canada they're doing some pretty amazing things, right? They're they're saying no more, you know. They're standing up. They're doing it peacefully. That's awesome. You know, they're doing it peacefully. Now, if they can stay peaceful and hold steadfast to that peace, that's good, but with the human nature, man, and we teeter on that crazy monkey mind, very quickly we can shift into violence. And that's the problem there, is that, that fragile balance between the two. Everybody has the monkey mind. Holding your peace, holding your love, holding your kindness in the face of destruction is not as easy as one would think. And the human mind can just be triggered and switch in 2.2 seconds, less than that. But if we can unite in peace and harmony and hold steadfast and say liberate it, we, need, we, we get to be liberated together and do it peacefully. You know, then we can make a difference. But the way that I see humanity constantly playing out, it doesn't typically go that way. I hold hope for humanity, though. 
See, I'm the one who's like, I believe we can be good. Good morning, freedom. I believe that we can do good things. I believe, you know, that's me. I hold the hope that there's good in people. That's what I do. I hold space for that. Even the darkest of the dark, I hold space. I have seen it. I have seen, in fact, in my podcast, when I first started three years ago, two years ago, probably four years ago, three years ago, whenever, when I first started, I had, was getting all of this dark energy was showing up and waves of dark and trolls and saying all this stuff. Right. And I was like, they were trying to trigger me because that's what they do. They try to trigger you. They try to get you mad, but I wasn't mad. Why would I be mad at them? And I started to talk to them, really see them for who they are. And vulnerable enough to cry and say, you know what, you're loved regardless. And you know what, I had people afterwards that were like, I was in a very dark place and thank you. Like, I'm sorry for what they apologized to me. Because there's that spark in them. It's like the yin yang. People say, well, there's pure. I don't think there's anything so pure. There's always that spark of light in an individual. There's always, and then there's that spark of darkness in the ones that are light. So for us to heal the planet, the light has to, the, 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 the light workers and the individuals that are here to, to live in peace and harmony have to hold steadfast. They have to hold that. And what does that mean? That means if they get slapped, if they get spit at, that they hold their peace. Because what does the monkey mind want us to do? Get angry. Fight. Healing the planet isn't going to happen that way. How many people can hold that peace in the face of destruction? Not easy, you see? And we play it out over and over again. And that's why we're kind of in this dark, dense world playing out the same shit over and over again. Because I don't know that there's a way out here, per se, for all of humanity. You have to be 100% committed. We had uh, Gandhi who did it, right? He said, look, we could do this. I mean, it was a prime example of how you can end a war peacefully. And you think anybody else has done it since? No. <laughs> we'll say Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ. He too, right? Okay, so Jesus Christ did it too. He said, okay, go ahead, nail me. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to let the monkey mind take over. I'm not going to, I'm going to hold steadfast because I understand that the sickness, and he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he was saying. They don't recognize that they're repeating the same patterns over and over again. He's trying to teach them a whole new way and they're mad at him for it, you know? People are mad at people for trying to be good human beings. Like, what? Does that even make sense? No, we're not here to make sense of it. We're here to hold it. And if you hold it, look at what happens when you hold it. People switch and they go, what the hell did we just do? They, they wake up. There's that moment of going, <gasps> why, why did we kill this person? But if you fight back, now they can justify it. Oh, well, did you see? They're crazy. 
<laughs> we could totally justify killing them. Did you see what they did? That's the way they act. But when you're truly at peace and you're attacked and you're truly at peace and you just let it go and you understand that it's all of their dark, all of that, I don't want to say darkness, all of that resentment and anger and frustration in them. And you say, forgive them for they know not what they do. All of that power driven things that they want. And you say, you know what? I love you anyway. Do what you got to do. I forgive you. I've been in the face of serial killers. I've been in the face of people who are crazy. I've been in the face of people who, and I don't even want to say crazy. They just, they didn't know. And they've looked at me and they've said, go. Because there was that peace there, even if it was for the slightest second where the light came in. Go. Why? Because really, at the end of the day, love. Love is what we need. Love is what we're seeking. And when we feel like we don't have it and it's sucked from us, we turn into this weird, crazy thing. But that's not really who we are, I believe. I have that hope for humanity. Can we get there? It's going to take a lot of us. You know, if Canada can hold it up, hurt people, hurt people. Misery loves company. They don't know better. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. And if we can love them anyway and say, you know what? You matter. You matter. You're worthy. You know, everybody starts from somewhere. And when we come into the world, right, and we're looking at the world, it's we're this new creative potential. And each one of us has the light in the dark. Now, the dark not being so scary. People want to fear the dark. And we talked about why that's not scary. It could be beautiful. People hold on to that darkness, though, and then it starts to corrode. You got to move the light and the dark. The light, could be, the light itself isn't always great. People think, oh, I'm going to be enlightened. Enlightened people can turn to pride. Do you know that the symbol of, the, of light itself is we have Leo, the lion, which is the sun, which is light. And you know that courage is part of it, but also pride. And people um, acting as though they are above others. So there's all of these ways of looking at it. Some of the people, some people who've gone through darkness are some of the most amazing people when they come out on the other end. We have this historical accounts over and over again. So for us as humans and humanity, again, it is going to take all of us to remember our light and hold it, to remember our peace and hold it, to remember, I'm going to put darkness in there. Remember that the darkness within us is our creative potential of beauty, not of something scary, 
There's something beautiful in there. To tap into that and illuminate it. Show the world. So it's going to take a lot, basically. So I really, really, really um, am holding that we can do this. Um, let's hope that Canada can hold it <laughs> without violence. But they switch to violence and everything's going to go downhill. It's not going to work. You've got to keep hold the peace. No matter what they do. Even if they shot somebody in front of you. Not easy, right? It's the harder way. The easier way is just to go into the monkey mind and start acting crazy, right? And being like, ah, I don't care. Punching people and losing it. And then guess what? You've lost it. Hard. We're on the teeter of that. But we can do it. I believe in humanity. I, I, am, I hold hope. They should have named me Hope and Faith. My first name, Hope. Second, middle name, Faith. Hope Faith is what I should have been called. Named. <laughs> because I believe in people. I have hope. <laughs> okay. When you go through the dark, you make it out. You have a higher level of compassion. Amen. Yes, that's true. You start to recognize the people that are... And I don't like to, it's hard for me to just keep saying light and dark because people equate darkness with bad and it's not. Um, when we go through a, a challenging experience and we come out on the other end, we expand our consciousness and then we can relate to others and say, oh my God, their mindset must be ridden with pain. If they can treat people like that, they're ridden with pain. Something inside of them doesn't feel like they're enough or they're worthy. And then we start to have compassion for ourselves and others in that space. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So there you go. I went on kind of long. Um, but super, thank you guys so much for hanging in there. Um, I know that we can do this. Um, I highly just encourage you to take a look at what Canada's doing. You know, if y'all have information, send it to me. I don't really follow stuff. My friend's the one who's been telling me what's going on out there. And, you know, just let's, let's hold the space of love and kindness and compassion for those people in Canada, that they hold it. You know, if you guys have friends out there, tell them, hold the peace, hold the love. We're sending you love and good vibes. We know that that's not an easy space to be. You know, we can see that Australia might end up in that position eventually. We don't know what's going to happen. But if we create this and cultivate this pattern of love and harmony in the face of, of destruction and, and, and things trying to be taken from us, like our, our right to choose, right? As human beings, we have a right to choose. Like we don't tell the birds that they can't fly. Well, I guess we have kind of trying to do that and put, put them in zoos and weird stuff. But we don't tell all the birds out there, hey, yo, you don't have, you can't fly. We have choice at the end of the day. And that should never be taken from somebody. We have a choice. So that's really where, what this is about anyway, is the choice, our choice, our ability to choose for ourselves. We're adults. We can make a choice. We're not dumb. Or competent. <laughs> if I want to fly today, I'm going to fly. If I don't want to fly, I ain't going to fly. And it's my choice. Simple. Okay. All right. So there you have it. I love you guys so, 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 so much. And, um, and I will be seeing you all tomorrow. Bye.